grace and peace. This is Bishop W. James Thomas II, Senior Pastor of the Calvary Baptist Church in Dover, Delaware. I want to share with you one of the recent Bible studies that we're having about relationships. The title of the series is Rediscovering You and Redefining Your Relationships. This series is focused on strengthening and maintaining your personal sacred space and becoming the best you that you can be. Stay tuned and my prayer is that you'll be blessed by what you hear. Praise the Lord, everybody. It's good for us to be in the house of the Lord one more time. And for that, we are so grateful, so grateful, so grateful. Well, take a few minutes, look to your front, your back, your left, your right, real quickly. Smile real big and tell them how so glad to see you tonight. Now do one more thing for me, one more thing. Look at them real good and say, pray for me because I'm trying to do better. I'm trying. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now, now don't you feel better? You got that off for you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to, again, as always, remember all of our sick and shut-in persons in our prayers. Uh, please continue, continue, continue to do that. Uh, we believe that God is a healer. And we believe that God is a comforter. And those who need comforting, he will comfort. And those who need healing, he will heal. Uh, I want to particularly remember in our prayers... Um, the Allen family once again, uh, Sister Crystal Allen uh, passed away uh, earlier, earlier, earlier today. Uh, and so uh, just continue to keep that family in the prayers. You know, just lost uh, Brother Allen just not too long ago. Uh, and then to go through that again is just, is just a whole lot to deal with. And so certainly remember that family. Uh, in our prayers, in your prayers, in our prayers, uh, as well as all of our sick and shut-in persons. All right. Um, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, Matthew chapter 2, verses 37 through 39. Those are our reference texts for this particular Bible study. Those are the passages of scriptures that we will use as foundational uh, for our conversation uh, and for our time together as we study rediscovering you and redefining your relationships. And so these particular passages, I hope you're reading them and rereading them and rereading them, um, not just for the sake of memorizing them, but as you read them, my prayer is that God will speak to you uh, very specifically uh, concerning what those passages mean, uh, not just in a general sense, but uh, what they mean to you individually and how 
they're helping you uh, to become the you that God intends for you to be. I want you to keep in mind uh, several things that are important to our conversation because as we teach this particular lesson, uh, every lesson builds upon the previous lesson, and that's why I spend a little bit of time reviewing just to make sure to help you keep your notes up to um, up to par so that as we go through the lessons, you can really begin to keep up with with the lessons themselves. And so keep in mind that the very important concept to this Bible study is the idea of the dual dimensions of relational love. And again, when we talk about love, we're not talking about romantic love only, but we're talking about familial love, love with our family, platonic love, love with our friends, uh, and even the love that we share as a congregation of people, the love we share with one another even in that capacity as well. And so I know when we hear the term love, sometimes we relegate it to uh, romantic love, but I want you to open and expand your thought, your mind a little bit to know that we're talking about every area of relationship uh, in your life, including the person you're, including the person you sit next to right now. Uh, have some degree of relationship, if it's not your husband or your wife or your or your boo or whoever, then you have some degree of relationship with that person uh, that you're sitting next to right now. And so this is not just about one particular kind of, of, of love, but this is kind of going the whole gamut of relationship. And so one of the keys to going through this lesson is really understanding, comprehending, and embracing the idea of the dual dimensions of relational love. And what that simply is, is our horizontal relationships and our vertical relationships directly impact and influence one another. Uh, our relationship with God is directly impacted by the relationships we have with each other. And our relationships with each other are directly impacted by the relationships we have with God. And for those of us in the room who suggest that my relationship with God has nothing to do with my relationship with people, then that means that you're not reading the scriptures fully because the Bible is very clear that you cannot, how can you love God whom you've never seen and not love your brother and sister that you see every day? So there has to be some kind of connection. And there's even a connection not just with your vertical relationship, even with your horizontal relationship, because we're commanded in scripture to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So there is a direct connection to all of this. Uh, my grandmama would say it very, 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 very clearly. You cannot go to heaven if you don't love me. Because how we love each other uh, is a direct implication of the fact that we have relationship with God. Come on, y'all. God, God, God loved us that he sent his son to die for us. That love is supposed to overwhelm our hearts and consume us to the point that we're able to love other people. Mm. Even when Jesus is hanging on the cross, the very people that are responsible for crucifying him, he looks down at them and says what? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
because he has a relationship there that reflects the love of God. It's the same love that caused him to be able to refer to Judas as what? Friend. So, so when we are consumed by the love of God, it causes us to love people who are unlovable. When we are consumed by the love of God, it causes us, it causes us to have some degree of fellowship with people that if we were left to ourselves and in our fleshly behavior, we would have absolutely nothing to do with. It is because of the overwhelming love of God that is in our hearts that causes us to pray for other people, encourage other people, speak life into other people. It is because of the overwhelming love of God in our life that we're able to pray for our enemies. Help me somebody. It is because of the overwhelming love of God in our hearts that we are able to love those who despitefully use us. It is because of the overwhelming love of God in our heart that we're able to give to people who wouldn't give to us if tables were turned. So it, we are responsible for ourselves when it comes to our treatment of people, our love for people, how we interact with people. We are completely responsible for that. I don't get, as a Christian, as a Christian, I don't get to say to you, I can't love you because of what you did to me. Mm, okay, this is, I know this is going to be a hard one today. But I, I don't get to say to you, I don't get to say to you that I don't love you because of what you did for me. Because what happens because of the overwhelming, consuming love of God, I get this picture of Jesus hanging on the cross. Dying a death that he should not have died. But because we had a debt, that we could not pay and he did not owe. He took our place, called substitution. He took our place. He jumped up on the cross when it should have been us on the cross. Come on, help me somebody. And he died for us. So every time I think about the cross, every time I think about Jesus, and then every time I look at my enemy, I've got to, I've got to say the overwhelming love of God because he loved me so much that while we were yet sinners, he died for me. And if he can overlook all my stuff and jump up on the cross and die for me, it is not asking too much for me to overlook your stuff and love you in spite of. Mm -mm. I, I know that that's hard. Come on. I know that's, that, that, that's hard. That's hard. Look at your neighbor and say, I love you. I do. I, uh. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. So as we, as, we, as we deal with this lesson, this becomes one of the foundational pieces, the dual dimensions of relational love. All of this stuff affects and impacts the other thing when, when we're focused on both our vertical relationship with God and our horizontal relationship with other people. Now, keep in mind, and we're just doing a little reviewing here, keep in mind that every relationship begins with who? begins with us. That one constant, that one constant in every relationship is us, is us. So in order to build and maintain meaningful relationships, there are at least three things that we need to do. And this is something you probably have in your notes, so we're just reviewing. But in order to build and maintain meaningful relationships, 
there are three things, three minimal things that we need to do. The first thing we need to do is we need to know ourselves. To thine own self be true. I don't believe your own hype. But be honest with the person. You remember we had the homework? And the homework you're supposed to do what? Go look in the mirror. Be very honest about what you see. Know yourself. Know yourself. Know your, know your limitations. Know your weaknesses. Know your strengths. Know that as, as much as you want all of us to believe that you're perfect and flawless, don't believe the hype. At least you know. At least you know your strengths and your weaknesses. So know yourself. Be honest with yourself. If that's just a, because you cannot, you cannot be healed from what you don't acknowledge. So be honest with yourself. If you know you got a temper problem, be honest with yourself. If you know you talk too much, be, be honest with you now. If, if you know that you love entertaining gossip and rumors, be honest with yourself. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. If you, if you, if you, just, if you just like drama, tell the truth. Because you can't be healed and delivered from anything that you do not acknowledge. Because when I'm honest with myself, I've got to be able to say, you know what, I need to work on my attitude. I need, to, I, need to, I need to work on my interactions. I need to work on some things. So it helps me to do that. The third thing is be able to share yourself in, watch it, safe and sacred space. Uh, Y'all watch that. Be able to share yourself in safe and sacred space. Because part of being in a healthy relationship and a productive relationship is knowing that you're in a place where transparency is appreciated and confidential. I gotta say it again. Being in a safe and sacred space, being in a place that is both safe and sacred, means being in a healthy, productive relationship where you can be where you can be transparent and your transparency is both appreciated and confidential and then making sure that you have an accountable connection that will give you honest evaluation and permission to point out your blind spots come on y'all come on to tell you when you're wrong you need somebody in your life that will say to you, that's wrong. You know you shouldn't have did that. You know you shouldn't have said that. You know you really crossed the line when you did that. You need somebody in your life that will hold you accountable and to help you see because sometimes you think you're justified. Some, 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 come on, y'all. Sometimes you think you're justified. Sometimes... Well, and then your response, your first, and you know, you know I'm right because your first response is always, well, they should not have. Because if they had not, I would not have. Come on, come on. But, 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 but you're not responsible for what they do. You're responsible for what you do. You have, you can make decisions about how you're going to respond. You, 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 you did not 
You did not have to cuss that lady out. Come, come. You didn't have to do that. Now your, your Christian testimony is messed up. Now you're... And so, and so you, you made a decision. You could have decided to walk away. You could have decided we can't talk about this right now because neither one of us are in a good place. You could have. And so you have to, you have to watch. You have to watch that. Again, you have to have somebody in your life that can point out your blind spot. Sometimes you're being jealous and you don't know you're being jealous. Sometimes you're operating in pride and you don't realize you're operating in pride. And so you need somebody to help you be able to do that and, 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 and demand two things from yourself at all times. Two things you demand from yourself at all times without exception. Number one, always demand honesty. If nobody, you always tell the truth, especially when it comes to you. Okay? Second thing, avoid self-deception. Avoid self-deception. If you know that was your fault, stop trying to convince you and other people that wasn't your fault. That was, no, you did that. That was your fault. Acknowledge that. Acknowledge that, yeah, you know, the truth is, I should not have. But I did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Avoid self-deception. Because always remember, I know this is hard. This is hard for me. But, 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 but you have to understand, we're, we're quick to justify our stuff. We're very quick to justify our stuff. And sometimes there's really no justification for it. It's, you know, it's just like reading the Bible. You can make the Bible say anything you want it to say. But just because that's what you wanted to say does not mean that's what it's saying. Okay? So always demand from yourself honesty and avoid self-deception. So to begin this portion of our time tonight, and uh, if you're not saying amen already, you're probably not going to say amen the rest of the lesson because <laughs> it, it goes downhill from here. Okay? <laughs> it, just, it, it just goes downhill from here. So, 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 so to begin this portion of our time tonight, let's continue to talk about the most difficult subject matter to talk about, ourself. I told you it was going down here. Let's talk about the most difficult subject matter, ourself. This is all about, this, all, this part of the lesson is all about you. It's all about me. It ain't about your neighbor. Ain't about your supervisor at work. Ain't about your spouse. It's all about us. It's all about you. Remember, how we see ourselves is a determining factor in the kind of people we tend to develop relationships with. People tend to look for people who are like them. And sometimes we do it subconsciously. 
Sometimes we do it without realizing that's what we're doing. That's why it's important for us to be honest with ourselves about ourselves because when we're honest about ourselves, we really know what's going on in here. And when we know what's going on in here, we can get a better understanding of why certain people are attracted to us. Because you have to realize that spirits attract like spirits. Sometimes it's not your physical that people are attracted to. Sometimes it's your spirit. And when you know yourself, then you can better understand why certain people are drawn to you or certain people are attracted to you. Because here's the thing that you got to watch. It is always easy to see what other people are doing that we don't like. But it is challenging to see our end or our contribution to a dysfunctional relationship system. I'll repeat it again because it's very important. Everything that's wrong with us is not somebody else's fault. Some of it is behavior that we have continued to perpetuate. And we have become so comfortable in our dysfunction that our dysfunction has become functional. Are y'all here? So, let's, let's look at it. Let's, let's look at it. The truth is, our end, the, the, the truth is, our end is usually equal to other people's end in one significant way as it relates to attraction. That one significant way is we tend to attract people, and this is going to get a little complicated for you, so just hold on, hold on. We tend to attract people at our common level of woundedness or our common level of healthiness. We tend to attract people at our common level of woundedness. In other words, we look for people who hurt like we hurt. Or our common level of healthiness. We're attracted to particular people because of the state of health that we're in. So we attract people at a common level of self-abandonment or a common level of self-care. In other words, again, I'm looking for somebody to affirm me where I am. So if I'm bitter, I'm going to look for other people who can affirm my bitterness so I can feel better about being bitter. And anybody that tries to tell me that I shouldn't be bitter or I should be over it or I should let it go or I should be past it are the people we reject. Because I don't want you to tell me I need to get better. I want you to help me stay where I am. Oh, y'all not here. Okay, I know you need some Bible. There's a man laying at a pool called Bethesda. And he's there for 38 years. But 
the question is, why is he there for 38 years? If you look at the scripture, Jesus comes along and says, do you want to be made whole? Well, guess what happens? He says, I want to be made whole. I ain't got nobody to put me in the pool. See what I'm saying? Then Jesus turns around and says what? Get up, take up your bed, and walk. Guess what the man does? He gets up, he takes up his bed, and he walks. For 38 years, you've been laying at the same spot, hanging out with these same people, never getting better, and it never crosses your mind that maybe one of the reasons you're not getting better is because of the people you're hanging around. Y'all ain't, ain't here? Maybe the reason you're not getting better is because you're convinced yourself that you're so sick that you can't get well, so you start hanging around with people who are the same mindset, so we just all going to stay in the same place for 38 years. Jesus comes along and interjects into your mind the ability to be better and do better. And once you embrace the fact that you can be better and do better, then you become better. Y'all missed me. Y'all missed me. And so there's a, there's a part of that that says that I've got to make up my mind that I can be better and do better. Therefore, I can be better. But I've got to make up my mind and stop hanging around people who affirm my dysfunction. I got I to gotta be careful that I'm not hanging around people that tells me it's all right to be like that. Because what they're doing is perpetuating my dysfunction. They're helping me. They become, y'all know the word, they're my enablers. They're enabling me. To be this way. So, 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 so this means, this means that the degree to which you emotionally abandon yourself by judging yourself, ignoring your feelings, turning to addictions, making other people responsible for your feelings is the same degree to which other people are emotionally abandoning themselves. So I got low self-esteem. I'm hanging around people with low self-esteem because I feel threatened by people who are healthy. Because now I'm feeling some kind of way as to why are you so healthy and I'm so dysfunctional. And rather than being challenged by them, we avoid them. Y'all know how we do. Why are they so happy? They happy all the time. Every time I see them, they smiling. Every time I see them, they in a good mood. Every time I, ain't nobody happy all the time. <laughs> Come on, we do it all the time. We do it all the time. Just because you got up on the wrong side of the bed and you, and you Mr. and Mrs. Grumpy and and all that, and you walk in the office, and everybody, and your, and your person sitting across from you, they just so, oh, good morning, good morning, and you, you and you just rolled your eyes. It, it ain't, it ain't their fault. It's not their fault you got up on the wrong side of the bed. It's not their fault you're not happy. And so, so what happens is, you'll either attract people 
who are just as needy as you are, but maybe in a different way, are somebody who senses your vulnerability for the purpose of exploitation. Catch it, don't miss it. Catch it, don't miss it. Some, some, some people, some people that, are, that, that you attract, it may not necessarily be that they're like you in the same sense, but it may be that your vulnerability has been, explo has been exploited or has been exposed and they've locked into that. Now they have an opportunity to exploit. See, they see you got low self-esteem. So they ease in, they creep in, and they deceive you by tricking you into believing that they're interested in your personal well-being when in reality they're exploiting your exposed vulnerability so they can take advantage of you. Oh, y'all not, y'all hear, hear what I'm saying? Hear what I'm saying here? They, they build you up so they can tear you down. And that happens a whole lot in abusive relationships. Come on, y'all. Y'all know they, they win you over so that you become the center of their attention so they can turn around and now convince you that because I was the one that built you up, I'm the only person that can keep you up. And now you can't go anywhere because nobody's going to love you like I do. Nobody's going to treat you like I do. All right? Y'all still here? All right. There, there, there are those occasions when you meet a person who's healthy enough, this is good, to handle your vulnerability and then nurse you back to a healthy place. It is possible. I said it is possible. I said it is possible that God can send you somebody that can handle your vulnerabilities and then nurse you back to a healthy place without an agenda. Somebody that can help you get well and not want anything from you. Mm. Mm. Because here's the solution. The solution is never, and I'm going to help somebody right here. I'm going to get somebody delivered right now. Watch this. Never go into a relationship just wanting to get love, but enter a relationship already loving yourself. Because if I go in whole, I'm not depending on you to make me whole. I'm just inviting you into my space to compliment my wholeness. But if I go in broken, now, 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 now I have this expectation that you're going to make me well, and if you make me well, and you're not mature enough to bring me to a healthy place without an agenda, now you leave me feeling like I owe you something. Oh, Lord, help me here. So you don't go into a... If, if, if you don't already love yourself, you're not ready for a relationship. I'm going to say it one more time. If you don't already love you, you're not ready for a relationship. 
because you're too vulnerable to have one. Love you for to, mm, what's your neighbor say, love you, love you, love. Because watch, watch, watch this. If I if I already love me, if I already love me, I don't need you for that. Y'all miss me? Y'all miss me? If I already love me, I don't need you for that. Remember when God creates Eve, watch me. He didn't create Eve to make Adam whole. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Adam was already whole. As a matter of fact, Adam was so whole that he didn't even realize he needed an Eve until God put him to sleep and then he woke up and there she was. Not one time in scripture do you read about Adam asking God for Eve. He was already whole enough to where he didn't, in his mind, he didn't need an Eve. It took God to interject himself into his life to make him realize that you need somebody to compliment you. Y'all don't read text right. You need somebody to compliment you. What are you talking about? Compliment him as his help meet. Not his subject, his help meet. To help him do what he was already doing. It's right there in front of y'all. It's right there. So, 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 you will settle if you're not careful. You'll settle for what looks like love, but in reality is tolerance. When, when, when you're not healthy, when you're not healthy, you will settle for somebody who will put up with you. Okay, all right, all right, all right. So now, so now, attract, attracting at your common level of emotional health means that you've done the hard work of healing your feelings. Do it again. The common level of emotional health means that you've done the hard work of healing your feelings. You're not looking for somebody to help you get over somebody. You're not looking for another friend because the last friend you got hurt you or betrayed you. You're not looking to replace your hurt because when you're healthy, you got over it. Come on, y'all. When you were healthy, you got past it. You're not looking for somebody to show off, to prove to somebody. See what you did, but look at what I got now. Because guess what happens? When they've served their purpose... You're done with them. So you got to do the hard work of healing your feelings. Whether it be a romantic relationship or whether it be 
a plutonic relationship, when you've been hurt, give yourself space to get over it. Give yourself space to get over it. Lord, help me. Help somebody hear me tonight, God. Give yourself space to get over it. You're not, you're not well enough to jump into something else. Not yet. Because when you do, you bleed all over the other person. And now you're bleeding all over them and you're bleeding all over them to the sense, to the, to the degree that now we don't know who's bleeding. And now you're, you're, making, you're making your new friend pay for the stuff your old friend did. And they're wondering why you've been so evil for no reason. Why are you being so mean for no reason? Why are you being so moody for no reason? And now, 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 now you're contaminating what could have been a good thing. But because you met a healthy person, that healthy person decides, you know what, this ain't good for me. And now what could have been good for you, you lost. Y'all still here? Okay, all right. So, so you got to heal yourself. Touch neighbor and say, you got to heal your feelings. Heal your feelings. Heal your feelings. What it, what, it, what it means is, it means that you know how to fill yourself with love and then share your love with other people. It means that you've stopped abandoning yourself and you've learned how to love yourself which means that you take responsibility for your feelings rather than avoiding your feelings or making somebody else responsible for your feelings. We all need love. Everybody in the room. We all need love. That's how God created us. We all need love. But when that need drips into desperation, it jeopardizes your emotional health. Never be so desperate to be loved that you settle for anything that comes your way. All right? Look at somebody and say, I refuse to settle. I refuse to. That's right. No, 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 no. No. You're not, God help me, who am I talking to? You're not that desperate. You are not that desperate to continue to deal with that kind of behavior because you're better than that. Come on, help me, somebody. You're, you're, you're better than that. So when, when you learn to value yourself, you, every time you look in the mirror, you look in the mirror, I am fearfully. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, that means that there's a certain level of expectation that I don't digress from. Because when God made me, he threw the mole away. I ain't got nobody to help me. Ain't nobody like me. If you don't feel that way about you, something is wrong. 
Come on, you, you, when you came in here, you sat down and you sat next to the person you sat next to. You sat next to somebody wonderful. You blessed because you sat next to me. Yo, yo. You, you, you just sat next to somebody that God loves, that, that, that God is blessing, that God has anointed, that God has appointed. You sat next to somebody that's got power, that's got anointing. That, see, 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 y'all, I'm talking about you. You don't know I'm talking about you. You couldn't have sat next to not a better person in this room. But you have to know that about yourself so that you don't start acting like a desperate person. When you learn to value yourself and take responsibilities for your feelings, you're no longer attracted to someone who emotionally abandons themselves. You're drawn to people who value themselves and want to, watch this, share love rather than get love. Because there's a difference. So you'll no longer end up with somebody who blames, withdraws, judges, or plays the victim all the time. Because you don't find that kind of person attractive. You look good on the outside. But there's something seriously broken on the inside. And you spend all your time fixing up your external but you haven't spent any time working on your internal. Mm. So there is this thing called the law of mutual benefit. Let's go there. The law of mutual benefit. All right. What is the law? There is this relational law. Remember the two important things about getting to know yourself. We talked about these last week. You should have them in your notes. Here they are. Number one, pay more attention to your behavior than you do your words. Because actions... Okay. So pay more attention to your behavior than you do your words. Because you can make your mouth say anything. Got me? Second thing is know yourself in the space of accountability. In other words, know your truth, know your truth, know your truth. Those two things play out in that Matthew 26 passage we looked at last time in the exchange between, between Jesus and Peter. When Peter says, I'll, I'll never leave you, I'll be here, I'll fight for you, I'll die for you. You know, you might ride or die, we good. And then Jesus said, that's not true. That's not true. Because before the cock crows thrice, you're going to deny me. Peter said, no, I'm not. Not going to happen because I'm here. I ain't going nowhere. I'm here. Jesus said, it's going to happen. You just got to have the right set of circumstances in place to expose your authenticity. Because if you really want to know who a person is, you got to let the right, get them in the right. 
get them in the right spaces and places. And who you really are because you cannot, you cannot cover who you really are for a long time. It just takes the right spaces and places for the real you to come out. Y'all know I'm right about it. So there, th those two things play out in that, Matthew, in that Matthew passage. Now, the law of mutual benefit includes what we need from all of our relationships. Again, romantic and plutonic relationships. When we assess the relationships that we are currently in, we have to ask ourselves an important question. The important question is this. What is it about this relationship that makes it a necessary part of where I currently am in my life? In other words, are you as good for me as I am for you. You hear? So, 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 you have to ask yourself, what is it about this list, about the relationship, friendships, friendships I have, romantic relationships, whatever, what is it about this relationship that makes it a necessary part of where I currently am in my life? Why is it necessary for this relationship to exist at this point, at this season, in my life. That's the premise on which the law of mutual benefit is developed. The law of mutual benefit simply says that to some extent, what you're putting into a relationship, you're also receiving from the relationship. It speaks to the mutual good of the relationship. Did y'all hear me? The mutual good of the relationship. It suggests that the aspects of your relationship are adding to you and fulfilling you rather than subtracting from you and draining you. There is a difference between a friend and a parasite. Yeah, come on, come on, y'all. Come, come on. This is, the, this is the hard work of this. This is the hard work. This is hard work. Look, look at the word relationship. The word relationship implies the involvement of two entities. And a true relationship is a state of being mutually connected. Mutually connected. Mutually connected. Watch this. For a purpose. Now, everybody's in your life for a purpose. The question is, is it for good or bad? Everybody's in your life is in there for a purpose. But you got to be able to discern whether or not they're there for your health or whether or not they're there for your destruction. Whether or not they're there to build you up or whether or not they're there to tear you down. That's important to know. And so, and so it speaks to the mutual good. Now, here's a good way to understand it. Let me give it to you in a very simple way to understand it. Common sense says, aside from some other important things, um, like driving lessons, you know, knowing how to drive, you know, those kind of things, a car will not run 
without gas, or in this day, electricity. Okay? If you don't plug it up to something, if you don't stop it by the gas station, it cannot run. Okay? Now, that's apart from knowing how to drive it, you know, you know all that kind of stuff, being able to drive, being authorized. It, that's a simple principle. It needs electricity or gas to run, right? So, that same principle applies to us. If you don't have the fuel you need, you can't move forward in your life, whether that means taking care of yourself, your family, your responsibilities, pursuing your destiny that God has for you, any of that, you cannot move forward, do what you need to do without fuel. Watch this. You put gas in the car. I'll try it one more time. You put gas in the car. You do not go to the gas station to take gas out the car. You go to put it in it because you need it to run the car. It's the same thing it should be in relationships. You don't get in it to get drained. You get in it to be added to. Come on, y'all. You don't volunteer for a destructive relationship. And so, and so, and so, you need to appreciate, you need the appropriate fuel to accomplish every one of those tasks because I don't care how anointed you are, I don't, I don't care how deep you claim to be, you can have relationships that will deplete what God is trying to put in you. Y'all ain't hear me. To the point that you know what he wants you to do, but because you're so drained, you don't have the strength to get it done. That, that, that's why Jesus has 12 disciples. But even in the 12, he had a couple of disciples that he hung out with more than he did the rest of the disciples. Y'all don't read the Bible. I'm sorry. And there are certain disciples that he took with him to certain places. Come on, read the Bible. They, it, when you're reading the story, Jesus going to pray, he'll take some of them so far, and then he'll tell them to stay there. And then he'll take some more so far, and then he'll tell them to stay there. You got to know who to take where. Because if you take the wrong people where you're trying to go, you're never going to accomplish what you need to accomplish when you get there because you had to babysit. Y'all oh, not here. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Y'all hear what I'm saying? You got to, you got if you're trying to go somewhere, you got to take somebody with you that's mature enough to handle where you're going and not jealous because it's you and not them. If God is elevating you, you know you got somebody mature with you because they can push you and encourage you. Come on, y'all. And help you even when it's not them. 
So you got, you got to be very careful. You got to be very careful. That, that's the power of the Genesis chapter 2, 18, verse 18 passage. The fuel that you need to thrive comes from surrounding yourself with people who can benefit you as much mm, as you benefit them. You cannot think about church without thinking about people. Let, let me do this right quick. Watch it. Watch it. That, that Greek word for church, ecclesia, it means a gathering of the called out. When people come together to intentionally pour into one another, we become fuel for one another. And when we're doing it right, nobody's tank ever reaches empty. Y'all miss me? Y'all miss me? When we're doing, when we're, when we're, when we are being the church that God called us to be, none of us should ever hit empty. We might run low, but we should never hit empty. Because when I walk in the door, I'm going to sit beside somebody that's got enough Holy Ghost to reach over and pray for me or smile at me or say something encouraging to me. That's fuel for me. I ain't got nobody to help me in here. When I've had a bad week all week long, I ought to be able to come to church and sit in an atmosphere where the Spirit of God is and sit next to somebody that the Spirit of God dwells in and be encouraged just by sitting there. Nobody that's a part of our church should ever be running out of gas and left on the side of the road. If it happens, we're not doing our job as a church. Are you here? See, that's why, see, see, see you thought I was trying to build your head up. When I told you that that person sit beside you, sat next to a blessed person, that wasn't trying to build your head up. That was put you to work. <laughs> Y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. Yeah, that, that was to put you to work because you don't know what that person sitting next to you is going through. That smile on their face may be a mask. But the fact that you talking to them tonight and, and you touching your neighbor and telling them, that's, you, that's probably the first friendly conversation they've had all week with somebody. You don't ever know. You don't ever know. That's why you don't come church playing. You don't know how God's going to use you to bless somebody. Somebody could have came in the door saying, I'm going to church and I'm going to try one more time. And if it don't work this time, then I'm going to kill myself. I ain't got nobody help me in here. But because they sat next to you and you had enough Holy Ghost on the inside of you to reach over and smile at them and hug at them and let them know, I don't know what you're going through. I just, the Lord just want me to tell you it's going to be all right. They can get up, go out of here and say, you know what, God, I'm going to try this one more time. When we're being the church that we're supposed to be, None of us should ever be on empty. I didn't say we weren't going to get low. I didn't say the little indicator light wasn't going to pop on.
but we should never run out. So, so what is the antithesis of this law of mutual benefit? The antithesis of this law of mutual benefit, and I'm closing right here, when only one person gives and the other person consistently takes without reciprocation. Watch that. You're doing all of the giving because soon you're not going to have nothing to give. At that point, the relationship first becomes lopsided, then it becomes difficult, then it becomes dehumanizing. It goes through a process. And what usually happens is the one person feels draining while the other person never notices. Watch it. That opens the door to emotional exhaustion. Eventually, resentment starts to take root. And that's when the situation ceases to be win-win and other person becomes the loser. So how do you know when a relationship is depleting you and bringing loss to your life? How do you know that? Let me give it to you. Sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes you know you just don't want to pay attention. Sometimes you hold it on because you don't want to be by yourself. So you take it even though you don't deserve it in that sense. Watch what happens. Watch what happens. Sometimes it's obvious. You don't need any, sometimes you don't need help figuring it out. You just need some help getting out. But sometimes relationships that drain you can be so familiar and so convenient that you stay in them without realizing just how dysfunctional they really are. On a more serious level, these relationships end up including elements of control and manipulation that cause you to be so confused that you don't know whether or not you're healthy or not. Last one. Here we go. Another aspect of this law of mutual benefit is what is called relational health. And this is going to help you because it helped me. My grandmama taught me to be nice. She said, boy, be nice. But she said, be nice, but don't be no fool. Ooh, I didn't catch that one there. <laughs> All right. At, at, as Christians, we should be nice. You should be nice to everybody. Even people who are not nice to you. Amen, Amen somebody. Amen. Uh, I still didn't get the whole room on that one. Watch. <laughs> you, you, you should be nice to everybody, even the people that are not nice to you. Amen. There you go. There you go. Because Christ, but watch this, watch this, you got to be nice, but reserve that part of you for people who return it to you. I'm nice to you, but I can't open myself to you because you're not ready for me.
Hello, somebody. Watch, watch, watch what happens. Watch what happens. Christ never intended for us to be in a position where our generosity can be taken advantage of. I don't think I'm being nice, but I'm not crazy. I'm being nice, but I'm evaluating. And in a minute, when I realize that there is no element of reciprocity in here, <laughs> you're getting cut off. <laughs> and I'm gonna still, and I'm gonna be nice about cutting you off. <laughs> Can you give me two minutes? Turn to Matthew chapter 539 real quick. 539, Matthew 539. Real quick, real quick, real quick. Matthew 539. For the sake of time, I'll go ahead and deal with it and I'm done. A, a careful reading of that text in its cultural context, it talks about if somebody... Slaps you on one cheek or hits you on one cheek, then you turn to the other cheek. Let me tell you what that scripture is not about. <laughs> that scripture has nothing to do with a physical altercation. That scripture is not saying to you that if somebody slaps you, that you let them get away with it. That ain't, that's, not what that, that's not what that says. And I thank, I thank God that ain't what it says, but that's not, that's not what that says. That text is about maintaining your dignity. And let me show you how real quick. In the culture in which Jesus tells that particular story or talks about that e particular event, Striking a person on the cheek suggests or is characteristic in Jewish form of an insult. You ever seen a movie where, where somebody has gloves and they take the gloves off and they slap you with the glove? You ever seen that happen before? Well, it, it, was, it was indicative of an insult. Now, when he says, turn to the other cheek, what he's suggesting is, you do not return insult for insult. The best form of, in that culture, the best form of retaliation against an insult is to ignore it. That was a greater insult than the insult itself. Okay? You, you with me? So, so the Matthew 539 passage is not about a physical altercation. It's about maintaining your dignity. Here it is. Just because you stooped that low does not mean I'm going to stoop that low. And, and that's, what, that's what Matthew 539 is about. It's about Jesus saying... We don't trade insults. 
We don't go back and forth with people, but we maintain our integrity and we maintain our dignity. Just because you get down in the dirt don't mean I'm going to get down in the dirt with you because I can't help it that you don't think any better of yourself, but I think better of myself than to be getting down in the dirt with you. So I don't respond. I don't respond. I'm not going back and forth with you. Come on, y'all. So when it comes to relationships, as hard as it may be able to accept, every, everything, everything most of the time begins and ends with you. You control what comes in and what goes on in this sacred space called self. If something is going on in your sacred space, it's because you opened the door you let it in, and then you allowed it. Because you have the power to evict it. Come on, somebody. You, you have, mm, Lord, look at somebody and say, put it out. <laughs> I got to stop. I got to stop. I'm five minutes over. N next week, I want to take another look at the Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. From another perspective, we're going to talk about synergy. We're going to talk about synergy. That's, that's people, groups, and things coming together to produce something greater than they could produce by themselves. All right? That's where we'll pick up next week. Come on, stand on your feet. Thank you for giving me the five minutes. <laughs> Touch somebody's hand next to you, if you will. Head is bowed, every eye is closed, your heart is sprang. Gracious and wonderful God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time in your word. Thank you for this time of study on tonight. Thank you for this space to talk about us. Talk about our relationships, our plutonic relationships, our all of our relationships. And God, I'm praying that as we become healthier, so will our relationships. That, Lord, we'll move past blaming other people for us being the way we are. But we will mature and we will grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And know that you come that we might have life. And that we might have it more abundantly. And because you live, we can be better. Because you live, we can be healthier. Because you live, we can reach our destiny in a productive and an effective way. But Lord, make us mindful of us. Make us mindful of who we have allowed circumstances to cause us to become. But also remind us that if we've been hurt, we can be healed. That if we've been broken, that you're able to put us back together again. And where we've been dysfunctional, you can heal our dysfunction. And like that man at the pool of Bethesda, cause us to be made whole. God, we pray that you'll do it during our time together. For that, we'll give you praise, we'll give you glory, and we'll give you honor. 
In Jesus' name we pray. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Come on, hug somebody and share the love of the Lord in the room tonight. Grace and peace. This is Bishop W. James Thomas II, Senior Pastor of the Calvary Baptist Church in Dover, Delaware. I want to share with you one of the recent Bible studies that we're having about relationships. The title of the series is Rediscovering You and Redefining Your Relationships. This series is focused on strengthening and maintaining your personal sacred space and becoming the best you that you can be. Stay tuned and my prayer is that you'll be blessed by what you hear. It's good for us to be in the house of the Lord one more time and for that we are so grateful, so grateful, so grateful. Well, take a few minutes, look to your front, your back, your left, your right real quickly, smile real big and tell them how so glad to see you tonight. do one more thing for me, one more thing. Look at them real good and say, pray for me because I'm trying to do better. I'm trying. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now, now don't you feel better? You got that off for you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to, again, as always, remember all of our sick and shut-in persons in our prayers. Uh, please continue, continue, continue to do that. Uh, we believe that God is a healer. And we believe that God is a comforter. And those who need comforting, he will comfort. And those who need healing, he will heal. Uh, I want to particularly remember in our prayers... Um, the Allen family once again, uh, Sister Crystal Allen uh, passed away uh, earlier, earlier, earlier today. Uh, and so uh, just continue to keep that family in the prayers. You know, just lost uh, Brother Allen just not too long ago. Uh, and then to go through that again is just, is just a whole lot to deal with. And so certainly remember that family. Uh, in our prayers, in your prayers, in our prayers, uh, as well as all of our sick and shut-in persons. All right. Um, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, Matthew chapter 2, verses 37 through 39. Those are our reference texts for this particular Bible study. Those are the passages of scriptures that we will use as foundational uh, for our conversation uh, and for our time together as we study rediscovering you and redefining your relationships. And so these particular passages, I hope you're reading them and rereading them and rereading them um, 
not just for the sake of memorizing them, but as you read them, my prayer is that God will speak to you uh, very specifically uh, concerning what those passages mean, uh, not just in a general sense, but uh, what they mean to you individually and how they're helping you uh, to become the you that God intends for you to be. I want you to keep in mind uh, several things that are important to our conversation because as we teach this particular lesson, uh, every lesson builds upon the previous lesson, and that's why I spend a little bit of time reviewing just to make sure to help you keep your notes up to um, up to par so that as we go through the lessons, you can really begin to keep up with with the lessons themselves. And so keep in mind that the very important concept to this Bible study is the idea of the dual dimensions of relational love. And again, when we talk about love, we're not talking about romantic love only, but we're talking about familial love, love with our family, platonic love, love with our friends, uh, and even the love that we share as a congregation of people, the love we share with one another even in that capacity as well. And so I know when we hear the term love, sometimes we relegate it to uh, romantic love, but I want you to open and expand your thought, your mind a little bit to know that we're talking about every area of relationship uh, in your life, including the person you're, including the person you're sitting next to right now. Uh, have some degree of relationship, if it's not your husband or your wife or your or your boo or whoever, then you have some degree of relationship with that person uh, that you're sitting next to right now. And so this is not just about one particular kind of, of, of love, but this is kind of going the whole gamut of relationship. And so one of the keys to going through this lesson is really understanding, comprehending, and embracing the idea of the dual dimensions of relational love. And what that simply is, is our horizontal relationships and our vertical relationships directly impact and influence one another. Uh, our relationship with God is directly impacted by the relationships we have with each other. And our relationships with each other are directly impacted by the relationships we have with God. And for those of us in the room who suggest that my relationship with God has nothing to do with my relationship with people, then that means that you're not reading the scriptures fully because the Bible is very clear that you cannot, how can you love God whom you've never seen and not love your brother and sister that you see every day? So there has to be some kind of connection. And there's even a connection not just with your vertical relationship, even with your horizontal relationship, because we're commanded in Scripture to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So there is a direct connection to all of this. Uh, my grandmama would say it very, 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 very clearly. You cannot go to heaven if you don't love me. Because how we love each other uh, is a direct implication of the fact that we have relationship with God. Come on, y'all. God, God, God loved us that he sent his son to die for us. 
that love is supposed to overwhelm our hearts and consume us to the point that we're able to love other people. Mm. Even when Jesus is hanging on the cross, the very people that are responsible for crucifying him, he looks down at them and says what? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Because he has a relationship there that reflects the love of God. It's the same love that caused him to be able to refer to Judas as what? Friend. So, so when we are consumed by the love of God, it causes us to love people who are unlovable. When we are consumed by the love of God, it causes us, it causes us to have some degree of fellowship with people that if we were left to ourselves and in our fleshly behavior, we would have absolutely nothing to do with. It is because of the overwhelming love of God that is in our hearts that causes us to pray for other people, encourage other people, speak life into other people. It is because of the overwhelming love of God in our life that we're able to pray for our enemies. Help me somebody. It is because of the overwhelming love of God in our heart that we are able to love those who despitefully use us. It is because of the overwhelming love of God in our heart that we're able to give to people who wouldn't give to us if tables were turned. So it, we are responsible for ourselves. When it comes to our treatment of people, our love for people, how we interact with people, we are completely responsible for that. I don't get, as a Christian, as a Christian, I don't get to say to you, I can't love you because of what you did to me. Mm, okay, this is, I know this is going to be hard one today. But I, I don't get to say to you, I don't get to say to you that I don't love you because of what you did for me. Because what happens because of the overwhelming, consuming love of God, I get this picture of Jesus hanging on the cross. Dying a death that he should not have died. But because we had a debt that we could not pay and he did not owe. He took our place, called substitution. He took our place. He jumped up on the cross when it should have been us on the cross. Come on, help me somebody. And he died for us. So every time I think about the cross, every time I think about Jesus, and then every time I look at my enemy, I've got to, I've got to say the overwhelming love of God because he loved me so much that while we were yet sinners, he died for me. And if he can overlook all my stuff and jump up on the cross and die for me, it is not asking too much for me to overlook your stuff and love you in spite of. Mm -mm. I, I know that that's hard. Come on. I know that's, that, that, that's hard. That's hard. Look at your neighbor and say, I love you. I do. I, uh. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. So as we, as, we, as we deal with this lesson, this becomes one of the foundational pieces, the dual dimensions of relational love. All of this stuff affects and impacts the other thing when, when we're focused on both our vertical relationship with God and our horizontal relationship with other people. Now, keep in mind, and we're just doing a little reviewing here, keep in mind that every relationship begins with who? 
begins with us. That one constant, that one constant in every relationship is us, is us. So in order to build and maintain meaningful relationships, there are at least three things that we need to do. And this is something you probably have in your notes, so we're just reviewing. But in order to build and maintain meaningful relationships, there are three things, three minimal things that we need to do. The first thing we need to do is we need to know ourselves. To thine own self be true. I don't believe your own hype. But be honest with the person. You remember we had the homework? And the homework you're supposed to do what? Go look in the mirror. Be very honest about what you see. Know yourself. Know yourself. Know your, know your limitations. Know your weaknesses. Know your strengths. Know that as, as much as you want all of us to believe that you're perfect and flawless. Don't believe the hype. At least you know. At least you know your strengths and your weaknesses. So know yourself. Be honest with yourself. If that's just a, because you cannot, you cannot be healed from what you don't acknowledge. So be honest with yourself. If you know you got a temper problem, be honest with yourself. If you know you talk too much, be, be honest with you now. If, if you know that you love entertaining gossip and rumors, be honest with yourself. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. If you, if, you are, if, you just, if you just like drama, tell the truth. Because you can't be healed and delivered from anything that you do not acknowledge. Because when I'm honest with myself, I've got to be able to say, you know what, I need to work on my attitude. I need to... I need, to, I need to work on my interactions. I need to work on some things. So it helps me to do that. The third thing is be able to share yourself in, watch it, safe and sacred space. Uh, Y'all watch that. Be able to share yourself in safe and sacred space because part of being in a healthy relationship and a productive relationship is knowing that you're in a place where transparency is appreciated and confidential. Got to say it again. Being in a safe and sacred space, being in a place that is both safe and sacred, means being in a healthy, productive relationship where you can be, where you can be transparent and your transparency is both appreciated and confidential and then making sure that you have an accountable connection that will give you honest evaluation and permission to point out your blind spots come on y'all come on to tell you when you're wrong you need somebody in your life that will say to you that's wrong you know you shouldn't have did that you know you shouldn't have said that. You know you really crossed the line when you did that. You need somebody in your life that will hold you accountable and to help you see because sometimes you think you're justified. Some, 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 come on, y'all. Sometimes you think you're justified. Sometimes, well, and then your response, your first, and you know, you know I'm right because your first response is always, well, they should not have. Because if they had not, I would not have. 
Come on, come on. But, 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 but you're not responsible for what they do. You're responsible for what you do. You have, you can make decisions about how you're going to respond. You, 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 you did not, you did not have to cuss that lady out. Come, come. You didn't have to do that. Now your, your Christian testimony is messed up. Now you're... And so, and so you, you made a decision. You could have decided to walk away. You could have decided we can't talk about this right now because neither one of us are in a good place. You could have. And so you have, to, you have to watch. You have to watch that. Again, you have to have somebody in your life that can point out your blind spot. Sometimes you're being jealous and you don't know you're being jealous. Sometimes you're operating in pride and you don't realize you're operating in pride. And so you need somebody to help you be able to do that and, 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 and demand two things from yourself at all times. Two things you demand from yourself at all times without exception. Number one, always demand honesty. If nobody, you always tell the truth, especially when it comes to you. Okay? Second thing, avoid self-deception. Avoid self-deception. If you know that was your fault. Stop trying to convince you and other people that wasn't your fault. That was, no, you did that. That was your fault. Acknowledge that. Acknowledge that, yeah, you know, the truth is I should not have. But I did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Avoid self-deception. Because always remember, I know this is hard. This is hard for me. But, 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 but you have to understand we're, we're quick to justify our stuff. We're very quick to justify our stuff. And sometimes there's really no justification for it. It's, you know, it's just like reading the Bible. You can make the Bible say anything you want it to say. But just because that's what you want it to say does not mean that's what it's saying. Okay? So always demand from yourself honesty and avoid self-deception. So to begin this portion of our time tonight, and uh, if you're not saying amen already, you're probably not going to say amen the rest of the lesson because <laughs> it, it goes downhill from here, okay? <laughs> it, just, it, it just goes downhill from here. <laughs> so, 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 so to begin this portion of our time tonight, let's continue to talk about the most difficult subject matter to talk about. Ourself. I told you it was going down here. Let's talk about the most difficult subject matter, ourself. This is all about this all this part of the lesson is all about you. It's all about me. It ain't about your neighbor, it ain't about your supervisor at work, it ain't about your spouse. It's all about us. It's all about you. Remember. How we see ourselves is a determining factor in the kind of people 
we tend to develop relationships with. People tend to look for people who are like them. And sometimes we do it subconsciously. Sometimes we do it without realizing that's what we're doing. That's why it's important for us to be honest with ourselves about ourselves because when we're honest about ourselves, we really know what's going on in here. And when we know what's going on in here, we can get a better understanding of why certain people are attracted to us. Because you have to realize that Spirits attract like spirits. Sometimes it's not your physical that people are attracted to. Sometimes it's your spirit. And when you know yourself, then you can better understand why certain people are drawn to you or certain people are attracted to you. Because here's the thing that you got to watch. It is always easy to see what other people are doing that we don't like. But it is challenging to see our end or our contribution to a dysfunctional relationship system. I'll repeat it again because it's very important. Everything that's wrong with us is not somebody else's fault. Some of it is behavior that we have continued to perpetuate. And we have become so comfortable in our dysfunction that our dysfunction has become functional. Are y'all here? So, let's, let's look at it. Let's, let's look at it. The truth is, our end, the, the, the truth is, our end is usually equal to other people's end in one significant way as it relates to attraction. That one significant way is we tend to attract people, and this is going to get a little complicated for you, so just hold on, hold on. We tend to attract people at our common level of woundedness or our common level of healthiness. We tend to attract people at our common level of woundedness. In other words, we look for people who hurt like we hurt. Or our common level of healthiness. We're attracted to particular people because of the state of health that we're in. So we attract people at our common level of self-abandonment or a common level of self-care. In other words, again, I'm looking for somebody to affirm me where I am. So if I'm bitter, I'm going to look for other people who can affirm my bitterness so I can feel better about being bitter. And anybody that tries to tell me that I shouldn't be bitter or I should be over it or I should let it go or I should be past it are the people we reject. Because I don't want you to tell me I need to get better 
I want you to help me stay where I am. Oh, y'all not here. Okay, I know you need some Bible. There's a man laying at a pool called Bethesda. And he's there for 38 years. But the question is, why is he there for 38 years? If you look at the scripture, Jesus comes along and says, do you want to be made whole? Well, guess what happens? He says, I want to be made whole. I ain't got nobody to put me in the pool. See what I'm saying? Then Jesus turns around and says what? Get up, take up your bed, and walk. Guess what the man does? He gets up, he takes up his bed, and he walks. For 38 years, you've been laying at the same spot, hanging out with these same people, never getting better, and it never crosses your mind that maybe one of the reasons you're not getting better is because of the people you're hanging around. Y'all ain't, ain't here? Maybe the reason you're not getting better is because you're convinced yourself that you're so sick that you can't get well, so you start hanging around with people who are the same mindset, so we just all going to stay in the same place for 38 years. Jesus comes along and interjects into your mind the ability to be better and do better. And once you embrace the fact that you can be better and do better, then you become better. Y'all missed me. Y'all missed me. And so there's a, there's a part of that that says that I've got to make up my mind that I can be better and do better. Therefore, I can be better. But I've got to make up my mind and stop hanging around people who affirm my dysfunction. I got I to gotta be careful that I'm not hanging around people that tells me it's all right to be like that. Because what they're doing is perpetuating my dysfunction. They're helping me. They become, y'all know the word, they're my enablers. They're enabling me to be this way. So, 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 so this means, this means that the degree to which you emotionally abandon yourself by judging yourself, ignoring your feelings, turning to addictions, making other people responsible for your feelings is the same degree to which other people are emotionally abandoning themselves. So I got low self-esteem I'm hanging around people with low self-esteem because I feel threatened by people who are healthy. Because now I'm feeling some kind of way as to why are you so healthy and I'm so dysfunctional. And rather than being challenged by them, we avoid them. Y'all know how we do. Why are they so happy? They happy all the time. Every time I see them, they smiling. Every time I see them, they in a good mood. Every time I, ain't nobody happy all the time. <laughs> Come on, we do it all the time. We do it all the time. Just because you got up on the wrong side of the bed and you, and you Mr. and Mrs. Grumpy and, 
and all that, and you walk in the office, and everybody, and your, and your person sitting across from you, they just say, oh, good morning, good morning, and you, and you just rolled your eyes. It, it, ain't, it ain't their fault. It's not their fault you got up on the wrong side of the bed. It's not their fault you're not happy. And so, so what happens is you'll either attract people who are just as needy as you are, but maybe in a different way, or somebody who senses your vulnerability for the purpose of exploitation. Catch it, don't miss it. Catch it, don't miss it. Some, some, some people, some people that, are, that, that you attract, it may not necessarily be that they're like you in the same sense, but it may be that your vulnerability has been, explo has been exploited or has been exposed and they've locked into that. Now they have an opportunity to exploit. See, they see you got low self-esteem. So they ease in, they creep in, and they deceive you by tricking you into believing that they're interested in your personal well-being when in reality they're exploiting your exposed vulnerability so they can take advantage of you. Oh, y'all not, y'all hear, hear what I'm saying? Hear what I'm saying here? They, they build you up so they can tear you down. And that happens a whole lot in abusive relationships. Come on, y'all. Y'all know they, they win you over so that you become the center of their attention so they can turn around and now convince you that because I was the one that built you up, I'm the only person that can keep you up. And now you can't go anywhere because nobody's going to love you like I do. Nobody's going to treat you like I do. All right? Y'all still here? Yeah. All right. There, there, there are those occasions when you meet a person who's healthy enough, this is good, to handle your vulnerability and then nurse you back to a healthy place. It is possible. I said it is possible. I said it is possible that God can send you somebody that can handle your vulnerabilities and then nurse you back to a healthy place without an agenda. Somebody that can help you get well and not want anything from you. Mm. Mm. Because here's the solution. The solution is never, and I'm going to help somebody right here. I'm going to get somebody delivered right now. Watch this. Never go into a relationship just wanting to get love, but enter a relationship already loving yourself. Because if I go in whole, I'm not depending on you to make me whole. I'm just inviting you into my space to compliment my wholeness. But if I go in now, 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 now I have this expectation 
that you're going to make me well. And if you make me well and you're not mature enough to bring me to a healthy place without an agenda, now you leave me feeling like I owe you something. Oh, Lord, help me here. So you don't go into a, if, if, if you don't already love yourself, you're not ready for a relationship. I'm going to say it one more time. If you don't already love you, you're not ready for a relationship. Because you're too vulnerable to have one. Love you for, to, mm, what's your name say? Love you, love you, love. Because watch, watch, watch this. If I, if I already love me, if I already love me, I don't need you for that. Y'all miss me? Y'all miss me? If I already love me, I don't need you for that. Remember when God creates Eve, watch me. He didn't create Eve to make Adam whole. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Adam was already whole. As a matter of fact, Adam was so whole that he didn't even realize he needed an Eve until God put him to sleep and then he woke up and there she was. Not one time in scripture do you read about Adam asking God for Eve. He was already whole enough to where he didn't, in his mind, he didn't need an Eve. It took God to interject himself into his life to make him realize that you need somebody to compliment you. Y'all don't read text right. You need somebody to compliment you. What are you talking about? Compliment him as his help meet. Not his subject, his help meet. To help him do what he was already doing. It's right there in front of y'all. It's right there. So, 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 you will settle if you're not careful. You'll settle for what looks like love, but in reality is tolerance. When, when, when you're not healthy, when you're not healthy, you will settle for somebody who will put up with you. Okay, all right, all right, all right. So now, so now, attract, attracting at your common level of emotional health means that you've done the hard work of healing your feelings. Do it again. The common level of emotional health means that you've done the hard work of healing your feelings. You're not looking for somebody to help you get over somebody. You're not looking for another friend because the last friend you got hurt you or betrayed you. You're not looking to replace your hurt because when you're healthy, you got over it. Come on, y'all. When you were healthy, you got past it. You're not looking for somebody to show off, to prove to somebody. Yeah. 
See what you did, but look at what I got now. Because guess what happens? When they've served their purpose, you're done with them. So you got to do the hard work of healing your feelings. Whether it be a romantic relationship or whether it be a plutonic relationship, when you've been hurt, give yourself space to get over it. Give yourself space to get over it. Lord, help me. Help somebody hear me tonight, God. Give yourself space to get over it. You're not, you're not well enough to jump into something else. Not yet. Because when you do, you bleed all over the other person. And now you're bleeding all over them and you're bleeding all over them to the sense, to the, to the degree that now we don't know who's bleeding. And now you're, you're, making, you're making your new friend pay for the stuff your old friend did. And they're wondering why you've been so evil for no reason. Why you're being so mean for no reason. Why you're being so moody for no reason. And now, 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 now you're contaminating what could have been a good thing. But because you met a healthy person, that healthy person decides, you know what, this ain't good for me. And now what could have been good for you, you lost. Y'all still here? Okay. All right. So, so you got to heal yourself. Touch neighbor say you got to heal your feelings. Heal your feelings. Heal your feelings. What it, what, it, what it means is, it means that you know how to fill yourself with love and then share your love with other people. It means that you've stopped abandoning yourself and you've learned how to love yourself, which means that you take responsibility for your feelings rather than avoiding your feelings or making somebody else responsible for your feelings. We all need love, everybody in the room. We all need love. That's how God created us. We all need love. But when that need drips into desperation, it jeopardizes your emotional health. Never be so desperate to be loved that you settle for anything that comes your way. All right? Look at somebody and say, I refuse to settle. I refuse to. That's right. No, 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 no. You're not, God help me, who am I talking to? You're not that desperate. You're not that desperate to continue to deal with that kind of behavior. Because you're better than that. Come on, help me somebody. You're, 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 you're better than that. So when, when you learn to value yourself, you, every time you look in the mirror, you look in the mirror, I am fearfully. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, that means that there's a certain level of expectation that I don't digress from. Because when God made me, 
He threw the mole away. I ain't got nobody to help me in here. Ain't nobody like me. Come on, come on. If you don't feel that way about you, something is wrong. Come on, you, you, when you came in here, you sat down and you sat next to the person you sat next to. You sat next to somebody wonderful. You blessed because you sat next to me. Yo, yo. You, you, you just sat next to somebody that God loves, that, that, that God is blessing, that God has anointed, that God has appointed. You sat next to somebody that's got power, that's got anointing. That, see, 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 y'all, I'm talking about you. You don't know I'm talking about you. You couldn't have sat next to not a better person in this room. But you have to know that about yourself so that you don't start acting like a desperate person. When you learn to value yourself and take responsibilities for your feelings, you're no longer attracted to someone who emotionally abandons themselves. You're drawn to people who value themselves and want to, watch this, share love rather than get love. Because there's a difference. So you'll no longer end up with somebody who blames, withdraws, judges, or plays the victim all the time. Because you don't find that kind of person attractive. You look good on the outside. But there's something seriously broken on the inside. And you spend all your time fixing up your external but you haven't spent any time working on your internal. Mm. So there is this thing called the law of mutual benefit. Let's go there. The law of mutual benefit. All right. What is the law? There is this relational law. Remember the two important things about getting to know yourself. We talked about these last week. You should have them in your notes. Here they are. Number one, pay more attention to your behavior than you do your words. Because actions... Okay. So pay more attention to your behavior than you do your words. Because you can make your mouth say anything. Got me? Second thing is know yourself in the space of accountability. In other words, know your truth, know your truth, know your truth. Those two things play out in that Matthew 26 passage we looked at last time in the exchange between, between Jesus and Peter. When Peter says, I'll, I'll never leave you, I'll be here, I'll fight for you, I'll die for you. You know, you might ride or die, we good. And then Jesus said, that's not true. 
that's not true. Because before the cock crows thrice, you're going to deny me. Peter said, no, I'm not. Not going to happen. Because I'm here. I ain't going nowhere. I'm here. Jesus said, it's going to happen. You just got to have the right set of circumstances in place to expose your authenticity. Because if you really want to know who a person is, you got to let the right, get them in the right. Get them in the right spaces and places. And who you really are because you cannot, you cannot cover who you really are for a long time. It just takes the right spaces and places for the real you to come out. Y'all know I'm right about it. So there, th those two things play out in that, Matthew, in that Matthew passage. Now, the law of mutual benefit includes what we need from all of our relationships. Again, romantic and plutonic relationships. When we assess the relationships that we are currently in, we have to ask ourselves an important question. The important question is this. What is it about this relationship that makes it a necessary part of where I currently am in my life? In other words, are you as good for me as I am for you. You hear? So, 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 you have to ask yourself, what is it about this list, about the relationship, friendships, friendships I have, romantic relationships, whatever, what is it about this relationship that makes it a necessary part of where I currently am in my life? Why is it necessary for this relationship to exist at this point, at this season, in my life. That's the premise on which the law of mutual benefit is developed. The law of mutual benefit simply says that to some extent, what you're putting into a relationship, you're also receiving from the relationship. It speaks to the mutual good of the relationship. Did y'all hear me? The mutual good of the relationship. It suggests that the aspects of your relationship are adding to you and fulfilling you rather than subtracting from you and draining you. There is a difference between a friend and a parasite. Yeah, come on, come on, y'all. Come, come on. This is, the, this is the hard work of this. This is the hard work. This is hard work. Look, look at the word relationship. The word relationship implies the involvement of two entities. And a true relationship is a state of being mutually connected. Mutually connected. Mutually connected. Watch this. For a purpose. Now, everybody's in your life for a purpose. The question is, is it for good or bad? Everybody's in your life is in there for a purpose. But you got to be able to discern whether or not they're there for your health or whether or not they're there for your destruction. Whether or not they're there to build you up or whether or not they're there to tear you down. 
That's important to know. And so, and so it speaks to the mutual good. Now, here's a good way to understand it. Let me give it to you in a very simple way to understand it. Common sense says, aside from some other important things, um, like driving lessons, you know, knowing how to drive, you know, those kind of things. A car will not run without gas, or in this day, electricity. Okay? If you don't plug it up to something, if you don't stop it by the gas station, it cannot run. Okay? Now, that's apart from knowing how to drive it, you know, you know, all that kind of stuff, being able to drive, being authorized. It, that's a simple principle. It needs electricity or gas to run, right? So, that same principle applies to us. If you don't have the fuel you need, you can't move forward in your life whether that means taking care of yourself, your family, your responsibilities, pursuing your destiny that God has for you, any of that, you cannot move forward, do what you need to do without fuel. Watch this. You put gas in the car. I'll try it one more time. You put gas in the car. You do not go to the gas station to take gas out the car. You go to put it in it because you need it to run the car. It's the same thing it should be in relationships. You don't get in it to get drained. You get in it to be added to. Come on, y'all. <laughs> you don't volunteer for a destructive relationship. And so, and so, and so, you need to appreciate, you need the appropriate fuel to accomplish every one of those tasks because I don't care how anointed you are, I don't, I don't care how deep you claim to be, you can have relationships that will deplete what God is trying to put in you. Y'all ain't hear me. To the point that you know what he wants you to do but because you're so drained, you don't have the strength to get it done. That, that, that's why Jesus has 12 disciples. But even in the 12, he had a couple of disciples that he hung out with more than he did the rest of the disciples. Y'all don't read the Bible. I'm sorry. And there are certain disciples that he took with him to certain places. Come on, read the Bible. They, it, when you're reading the story, Jesus going to pray, he'll take some of them so far, and then he'll tell them to stay there. And then he'll take some more so far, and then he'll tell them to stay there. You got to know who to take where. Because if you take the wrong people where you're trying to go, you're never going to accomplish what you need to accomplish when you get there because you had to babysit. Oh, y'all not here. 
Y'all hear what I'm saying? Y'all hear what I'm saying? You got to, you got, if you're trying to go somewhere, you got to take somebody with you that's mature enough to handle where you're going and not jealous because it's you and not them. If God is elevating you, you know you got somebody mature with you because they can push you and encourage you. Come on, y'all. And help you even when it's not them. So you got, you got to be very careful. You got to be very careful. That, that's the power of the Genesis chapter 2, 18, verse 18 passage. The fuel that you need to thrive comes from surrounding yourself with people who can benefit you as much mm, as you benefit them. You cannot think about church without thinking about people. Let, let me do this right quick. Watch it. Watch it. That, that Greek word for church, ecclesia, it means a gathering of the called out. When people come together to intentionally pour into one another, we become fuel for one another. And when we're doing it right, nobody's tank ever reaches empty. Y'all miss me. Y'all miss me. When we're doing, when we're, when we're, when we are being the church that God called us to be, none of us should ever hit empty. We might run low, but we should never hit empty. Because when I walk in the door, I'm going to sit beside somebody that's got enough Holy Ghost to reach over and pray for me or smile at me or say something encouraging to me. That's fuel for me. I ain't got nobody to help me in here. When I've had a bad week all week long, I ought to be able to come to church and sit in an atmosphere where the Spirit of God is and sit next to somebody that the Spirit of God dwells in and be encouraged just by sitting there. Nobody that's a part of our church should ever be running out of gas and left on the side of the road. If it happens, we're not doing our job as a church. Are you here? See, that's why, see, see, see you thought I was trying to build your head up. When I told you that that person sit beside you, sat next to a blessed person, that wasn't trying to build your head up. That was put you to work. <laughs> Y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. Yeah, that, that was to put you to work because you don't know what that person sitting next to you is going through. That smile on their face may be a mask. But the fact that you talking to them tonight and, and you touching your neighbor and telling them, that's, you, that's probably the first friendly conversation they've had all week with somebody. You don't ever know. You don't ever know. That's why you don't come church playing. You don't know how God's going to use you to bless somebody. Somebody could have came in the door saying, I'm going to church and I'm going to try one more time. And if it don't work this time, then I'm going to kill myself. I ain't got nobody help me in here. But because they sat next to you and you had enough Holy Ghost on the inside of you 
to reach over and smile at them and hug at them and let them know, I don't know what you're going through. I just, the Lord just want me to tell you it's going to be all right. They can get up, go out of here and say, you know what, God, I'm going to try this one more time. When we're being the church that we're supposed to be, none of us should ever be on empty. I didn't say we weren't going to get low. I didn't say the little indicator light wasn't going to pop on. But we should never run out. So, so what is the antithesis of this law of mutual benefit? The antithesis of this law of mutual benefit, and I'm closing right here, when only one person gives and the other person consistently takes without reciprocation. Watch that. You're doing all of the giving. Because soon, you're not going to have nothing to give. At that point, the relationship first becomes lopsided. Then it becomes difficult. Then it becomes dehumanizing. It goes through a process. And what usually happens is the one person feels draining while the other person never notices. Watch it. That opens the door to emotional exhaustion. Eventually, resentment starts to take root. And that's when the situation ceases to be win-win and other person becomes the loser. So how do you know when a relationship is depleting you and bringing loss to your life? How do you know that? Let me give it to you. Sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes you know you just don't want to pay attention. Sometimes you hold it on because you don't want to be by yourself. So you take it even though you don't deserve it in that sense. Watch what happens. Watch what happens. Sometimes it's obvious. You don't need any, sometimes you don't need help figuring it out. You just need some help getting out. But sometimes relationships that drain you can be so familiar and so convenient that you stay in them without realizing just how dysfunctional they really are. On a more serious level, these relationships end up including elements of control and manipulation that cause you to be so confused that you don't know whether or not you're healthy or not. Last one. Here we go. Another aspect of this law of mutual benefit is what is called relational health. And this is going to help you because it helped me. My grandmama taught me to be nice. She said, boy, be nice. But she said, be nice, but don't be no fool. Ooh, I didn't catch that one there. <laughs> All right. At, at, as Christians, we should be nice. You should be nice to everybody. Even people who are not nice to you. Amen, Amen somebody. Amen. Uh, I still didn't get the whole room on that one. Watch. 
You, you, you should be nice to everybody, even the people that are not nice to you. There you go. There you go. Because Christ, but watch this. Watch this. You got to be nice, but reserve that part of you for people who return it to you. I'm nice to you, but I can't open myself to you because you're not ready for me. Hello, somebody. Watch, watch, watch what happens. Watch what happens. Christ never intended for us to be in a position where our generosity can be taken advantage of. I don't think I'm being nice, but I'm not crazy. I'm being nice, but I'm evaluating. And in a minute, when I realize that there is no element of reciprocity in here, <laughs> you're getting cut off. <laughs> And I'm gonna still, and I'm gonna be nice about cutting you off. <laughs> can, can you give me two minutes? Turn to Matthew chapter five thirty-nine, real quick. Five thirty-nine, Matthew five thirty-nine, real quick, real quick, real quick. Matthew five thirty-nine. For the sake of time, I'll go ahead and deal with it, and I'm done. A, a careful reading of that text in its cultural context, it talks about if somebody slaps you on one cheek or hits you on one cheek, then you turn to the other cheek. Let me tell you what that scripture is not about. That scripture has nothing to do with a physical altercation. That scripture is not saying to you that if somebody slaps you, that you let them get away with it. That ain't, that's, not what that, that's not what that says. And I thank, I thank God that ain't what it says, but that's not, that's not what that says. That text is about maintaining your dignity. And let me show you how real quick. In the culture in which Jesus tells that particular story or talks about that e particular event, striking a person on the cheek suggests or is characteristic in Jewish form of an insult. You ever seen a movie where, where somebody has gloves and they take the gloves off and they slap you? With the glove, you ever seen that happen before? Yeah. Well, it, it, was, it was indicative of an insult. Now, when he says, turn to the other cheek, what he's suggesting is, you do not return insult for insult. The best form of, in that culture, the best form of retaliation against an insult is to ignore it. That was a greater insult than the insult itself. Okay? You, you with me? 
So, so the Matthew 5.39 passage is not about a physical altercation. It's about maintaining your dignity. Here it is. Just because you stooped that low does not mean I'm going to stoop that low. And, and that's, what, that's what Matthew 5.39 is about. It's about Jesus saying, we don't trade insults. We don't go back and forth with people, but we maintain our integrity and we maintain our dignity. Just because you get down in the dirt don't mean I'm going to get down in the dirt with you because I can't help it that you don't think any better of yourself, but I think better of myself than to be getting down in the dirt with you. So I don't respond. I don't respond. I'm not going back and forth with you. Come on, y'all. So when it comes to relationships, as hard as it may be able to accept, every, everything, everything most of the time begins and ends with you. You control what comes in and what goes on in this sacred space called self. If something is going on in your sacred space, it's because you opened the door you let it in, and then you allowed it. Because you have the power to evict it. Come on, somebody. You, you have, mm, Lord, look at somebody and say, put it out. <laughs> I got to stop. I got to stop. I'm five minutes over. N next week, I want to take another look at the Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. From another perspective, we're going to talk about synergy. We're going to talk about synergy. That's, that's people, groups, and things coming together to produce something greater than they could produce by themselves. All right? That's where we'll pick up next week. Come on, stand on your feet. Thank you for giving me the five minutes. <laughs> Touch somebody's hand next to you, if you will. Head is bowed, every eye is closed, your heart is sprang. Gracious and wonderful God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time in your word. Thank you for this time of study on tonight. Thank you for this space to talk about us. Talk about our relationships, our plutonic relationships, our all of our relationships. And God, I'm praying that as we become healthier, so will our relationships. That, Lord, we'll move past blaming other people for us being the way we are. But we will mature and we will grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And know that you come that we might have life. And that we might have it more abundantly. And because you live, we can be better. Because you live, we can be healthier. Because you live, we can reach our destiny in a productive and an effective way. But Lord, make us mindful of us. Make us mindful of who we have allowed circumstances to cause us to become. But also remind us that if we've been hurt, we can be healed. 
that if we've been broken, that you're able to put us back together again. And where we've been dysfunctional, you can heal our dysfunction. And like that man at the pool of Bethesda, cause us to be made whole. And God, we pray that you'll do it during our time together. For that, we'll give you praise, we'll give you glory, and we'll give you honor. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Come on, hug somebody and share the love of the Lord in the room tonight.